Welcome to Persevere to Excel. This is Deo Mono. It's a nice, beautiful, sunny day in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, we've had a lot of cold weather recently, so this is this is a good, really good start of of uh, having some nice weather. Even though we know that this is temporarily, and the weather is going to go back to being cold, I'm excited for this podcast. I got my good friend Brian with me. And uh, we're just going to chop it up. We're going to talk about creativity. We're going to talk about engagement. We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about everything. So I'm super pumped to have Brian with me today. Hey, Brian, how you doing, man? Good, good, man. How you doing? Dude, I'm so happy to have you. Like, like. Finally coming down here in Manchester to engage and just Word. have this conversation. Yeah, man. It's been a long time coming. You know, we've been kind of talking about doing this for a while, so I'm super glad to be here. Super, super. So I usually start with something super cheesy, right? So let's okay. say that you're like super hungry. Um, it's like middle of the night. Like what would be your go-to? What What are you going to grab inside your, your, your cabinet um, in order to fulfill that hunger? That's a funny question, actually. Like, uh, believe it or not, probably like, like as as lame as it might sound, probably some almonds, some almonds or something like that. Just, yeah, just regular just, almonds, right? Right. Unless, like, I mean, if there's Oreos, you know what I mean? Then it's 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 hard to say no to Oreos. But honestly, yeah, probably like I like to keep like the flavored almonds and stuff like that. Like they're kind of addictive, so yeah, I keep those around. That's what's yeah, up. Yeah. So you're you're going there looking for your almonds. Once you have your almonds, are you are you gonna drink water with it after? Are you gonna drink milk, juice? Like what's what's the go to? Uh, if it's the middle of the night, yeah, it's definitely some water. Yeah, okay. I'm all about all about the water. That's what's up. Do you, get, do you have any pets at, at your house? Uh, we do not have any pets. Um, that's that's been something that's been discussed with my fiance and I lately. Um, but as of now, we don't. No, I, I just don't think I'd be the best. Pet parent at the moment, a little bit too busy, not home enough, you know, but um, it's it's on the bucket list. Got you, got you. The reason why <laughs> I say that, because my family and I, we actually recently got a dog. Uh, a word. About three, three, three months old now at the house. And yep. um, so when, when I sneak out in the middle of the night to just try to get a little snack because I'm hungry, he's, he's always there. We, we, got, we still got him in the crate because he's getting used to, you know, be, being at our house and stuff. But... He always pokes out, ready to size me up. Man. Oh, right. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's watching. He wants so, a snack, too. That, that's wild. Right. I mean, it's, it's an adjustment. It's been a, but the family's loving it. Um, and I thank bet, you for I sharing bet. a little bit about that, man. So I, we actually, I always like to let my listener know how I gotten to know um, some of the people that I interview. Uh, Brian and I, we actually connected um, almost two years ago now. Oh, I was doing yeah. some work. Um, in Dover, Dover High School, when um, they had a little incident that happened at the school and different people in the community reached out and, and, and Brian was super involved around what was happening at the time. That's actually how we first um, introduced ourselves and started to get to know each other. Brian was actually one of the only parents that showed up to um, some of the, the session that I was hosting with the teachers and the students during the day. So Brian, I, I appreciate um, you being able to, for us to still keep in touch over the last um, Word, year or so. Too, and um, I actually went and checked out your the show that you had. Brian is an amazing artist, and I'll let him kind of talk a little bit about his background and what he's done. But um, we always giving each other shout outs through social media. Uh, you know, the social distancing is making it harder for people to see each other. But I wanted to bring Brian on this interview to just get to know him and get to... Um, 
you know, understand a little bit more what inspires him and how he's kind of persevered through certain challenges to, throughout his life and where he is now as a creator. So, Brian, I would love for you to tell, you know, just, just my, my listener a little bit about yourself. Who are you? How, how do you define yourself? And, um, and I know you're super creative in so many different mediums. But um, let's start with that, a little bit about who you are. Word. So um, thank you for that intro. Uh, basically, so, so I'm a, best known as a visual artist based on the seacoast of New Hampshire. It's kind of funny. When we met, there was a lot going on uh, in my life. I was in the process of moving to Massachusetts, um, was actually starting a new day job. Um, and there was all kinds of things going on at the school, of course, with that incident that happened there. And my daughter was part of the uh, group of students that founded Project Dream. So um, I was very fortunate to be there at the beginning to help that group kind of come together along with um, their uh, dean advisor and so forth. And I know you were involved with some of that. Um, but super proud to see what they've done and all that kind of stuff. Dover, Dover is an interesting community. I first moved to New Hampshire in 2000. And at that time... Um, it was very, very different than than how it is now, especially in a place like Dover. Dover's grown so much and become so much more diverse um, that kind of some of the issues, I think, or the growing pains that they're having were kind of inevitable um, and uh, it really opened up, I think, discussion and for people to recognize how the community is changing. Um, when I first opened my studio, it was kind of funny, it was, it was maybe a little bit before its time, and where it was, so I originally opened the space as an urban clothing store in the front, it was my art studio in the back, my whole thought was that the, the clothing store would essentially help fund my work, um, and it was, it was, it was maybe a, a, a decent concept, and, and a lot of people said that it was you know, too early for its time, but I, as I look back, it actually did better than I, I wanted to admit at the, at the time. I was just, you know, running a business for me was something new, and uh, I learned a lot from it, but I, I, I failed pretty hard, and when I look back, um, I learned a lot, a lot of lessons through that, but um, it was kind of funny at the time, people used to tell me all the time, oh man, you don't belong here. You should be here. You should be there. You should be in some big city someplace. And I'm like, the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, you know, you know, that's why I do belong here. You and, know, and why were they saying that? Were they saying that because the type of what you were creating and them kind of acknowledging your talent saying, man, you're, you're limited by being here. Right. I think they, they meant it as a compliment, you know, and, you know, cause my work is so urban, um, and, and just my whole kind of persona and how I operate is, is, is different than um, what people were seeing on the seacoast in New Hampshire. You know, and, but, but for me, it just that, that kind of gave my role in the community more purpose, especially recognizing how the community was changing. I knew that I had a demographic there. I knew the people were there. Um, and I knew that those, that, that, that part of the community was only growing and getting stronger. So um, it's, it was kind of neat to be there at that time during a transition, you know, and be able to actually recognize it. Um, but yeah, people used to say that all the time because I think they would think that, that my work would fit better in a more urban place. Like even, well, one, that being said, I mean, what really kind of got me started and got my feet off the ground was connections and spending time in Boston. So, I mean, it's kind of funny that I had to go to Boston and kind of be, recognized and accepted there before anybody even in New Hampshire cared. You know, so it was... Got you, got right, you. Right. It's almost like you needed, you needed that uh, notoriety outside in the context of New Hampshire in order 
for you to come back and almost kind of show, hey, you know, they're accepting me here. Like, right. This is my work. Yep. Got yep. you. Got you. Yep. Um, and it gave me, I mean, so much confidence to even to, to even pursue it seriously. Uh, art was always a, a, a big thing in my family growing up. Both of my parents are physically disabled. Um, so sports, sports was never really a thing. It was all about the arts, uh, you know, whether it was music or um, visual art. I used to draw a lot as a kid. My brother was a, was a super talented um, illustrator and that kind of thing. So that's, that's kind of what, what molded me as a kid. You know, so so um, you know, it was, was never sports. It was all, always, always really about creative things. So um, as an adult, I, that had kind of laid dormant for a long time. I wasn't even working on anything creative. I was, I was young. I was trying to you know, raise my daughter and have a family at that time and um, had kind of pushed a lot of that to the side and completely forgot about it. And then my brother ended up moving to New Hampshire. Gosh, I don't even remember what year it was. Um, but, uh, gosh, probably 15 years ago at this point. And him being around and him doing all of his creative work kind of got me started into it again. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so, so and, and I mean, I hadn't really picked up anything creative for a long time, hadn't drawn a picture or anything in, in years, and a lot of people didn't even know I had any kind of ability. I really had no confidence in my own work um, until I started to, you know, just, just kind of follow his lead a little bit and start to play with things. And I was always looking for his, his approval. And I remember one time he, he literally just looked at it. He's like, he's, he's, he's like, you know, just, just to stop looking at him for approval and, mm. you know, really kind of own my own work, you know, and, and when, when, when I felt like I was essentially um, meeting my own taste is, is when I started to build more confidence in what I was doing. So it was, it was kind of funny how it all happened. I wasn't the artist. You know, he was the artist. So let, let's talk about that. When you say when you started to find your own taste, what is your taste as an artist? Like, I, I would love for you to kind of break that apart for a listener to kind of understand, you know, what what is your identity as a, as a creator and what approach do you take to create? Um, that's an interesting question. I guess I've never thought to um, think of it in those terms. Uh, I guess... My style is to always be kind of exploring new mediums. So I'm, if that's a style, I mean, so um, I don't know if I have a particular style that I would say uh, because I am always trying new things. Um, I, I consider myself to be a hip hop artist. I come from that um, culture, you know, so, and, and, and a lot of that I think is very obvious in the work that I'm doing, whether or not it, it, it necessarily has anything to do with urban or hip hop culture. So, um, but uh Typically, I, I think my work can be identified by having a lot of color. Um, I like color. I like um, things to pop, um, for things to be eye-catching. Um, I'm working more on including more content into my work um, versus just creating things that look cool, which is what it was all about at first. You know, mm-hmm. It was just, just making things that look cool and kind of looking for... Almost like the showman of it, right? Like the, how it's showing, the, the static mm-hmm. of it. Right, but also I think you know, when, when you're, anytime you're beginning as a creative, you're looking for other people's approval. You know, and you're looking for things that other people are going to like and what they're going to react well to. And the more confidence that you build in your own work, the, the more um, or the less... You start to care about what other people think, and you you start to gain this sort of confidence in what you're trying to communicate and what you're trying to convey and what you're creating. And and what inspired you then 
like did you, were they other artists or were they other looks? You're saying that your a lot of your work was grounded throughout the, kind of the hip hop yeah. way of communicating through the artistry of color, paint. And I think what what you know this might not be what you're expecting to hear, but kind of my my what inspired me at first was the the concept or the idea to be able to bring myself further than I was um, through my own means, you know? So um, every job that I'd ever had at the time, I, I, well, I mean, I was young, you know what I mean? But every job I'd ever had it had never made me feel fulfilled, had never uh, made me feel like I was getting paid what I was worth. Um, so I guess I saw it, you know, even, even beyond a, a creative need, I guess I, I saw it as hopefully a means for my talent to be able to earn me income, you know, um, and try, try to find a way to market it that way. Um, and I think that's really essentially what, what got me started. And then it sounds like self-worth, right? It sounds like right. you were, you were looking for your self-worth through your creativity where you started to find that this is, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm based on how I'm hearing it from you. It sounded like, Art was like almost like the purest thing that was you. Right. It was a reflection of who you were right. and, and how you convey it. Where the external stuff that you did, as you mentioned, like doing work and doing all that stuff, you always felt like you weren't being valued in the way that you Correct. thought the value that you were bringing. Correct. And art for you was a way for you to, to almost be that holistically. Well, and, and, and to kind of, kind of escape, I guess, the confines of, you know, um, the the cards I was dealt in terms of you know career opportunities. I mean, they're very limited. I I, I didn't graduate from high school. Um, I I don't have you know any any college education. Uh, my first job when I came to New Hampshire was a janitor. I was a janitor at UNH, you know, and it was it was kind of crazy. I was 18 years old and I'm cleaning up after kids who are my age, um, and you know some older. But from there, I ended up in the car business kind of crazy in selling cars. Sales actually taught me a lot about how to sell myself, um, you know, and, and how to sell my work and how to build value um, in, in the work that I was doing. So kind of using, using skills that I was able to build through sales actually helped my art career um, so much, you know, just, just because able, I was able to communicate with people. I was able to... Um, even I guess kind of negotiate when it came to selling things sometimes or or to different different arrangements and agreements, um, but it really essentially just came from you know consistently creating over a number of years, and kind of before you know it, you look back and you see how much you've actually done, you know. But at one point, uh, kind of going back to my brother and what kind of really pushed me further, kind of to another level, is so. He he was the artist. He was he was the guy that everyone looked at as the artist, and um, he he was somebody who I I really kind of idolized and um, always wanted to be as good as him. He was he's ten years older than me, so when I was a kid, I used to see his artwork and always want to to kind of emulate his style. And um, we had originally started a, a t-shirt brand, which I mean, honestly, was was, was really kind of all my idea. And and as I look back, I almost kind of feel bad. I was I was really kind of trying to exploit what he was doing. You know, I was really kind of like like I wanted to use his work on t-shirts and really kind of take more of a business role without creating an, anything myself. And that actually caused a big fight between us at one point because he didn't give really you know two shits about the 
clothing company. He wanted to do his own work and this kind of stuff, and I was constantly trying to get him to do stuff. And it kind of um, pushed me to have to start creating myself if, if that's really what I wanted to do. And I, but, but I was still kind of hiding behind this name that, that he had come up with at one time, which, is, which was Pen Inc., which is a, an, another whole long story. Um, and so, was, for, so even when he kind of moved away from it, um, and I was doing custom shoes really in the beginning, everything was behind the brand Pen Inc. And at one point I, I asked myself why I was hiding behind that name um, and started using my own name. Um, but before that happened, he had actually ended up in a really bad motorcycle accident. I want to say this was like 2008. And um, he actually lost the use of his left arm. So he's right-handed. You know, it was a really bad motorcycle accident. Um, I, remember, I remember being in the hospital and seeing him on the table, um, his left arm completely useless. And I remember looking at my hands and just kind of understanding and realizing how quickly they could be taken. You know, and I, I kind of made a silent promise to myself to do as much with them as I possibly could. And that's kind of when just almost, um, you know, involuntarily, I really just, I, I just started looking at everything differently as far as my creative workers were concerned and started trying new things and just really trying to do as much as I possibly could. It was almost obsessive for a while, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, it was definitely obsessive for a long time. You know, I was completely obsessed with creating as much work as I possibly could. Um, because of the idea that this is not like, this could be gone. Right. Well, 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 well that and, and constantly chasing, um, constantly chasing my own approval, you know, you know more so than what other people think. You know, thought I was. I was essentially. I was. I was really trying to please myself. I saw a little video. Um, um, it's actually Ira Glass from uh, you know was was talking about creativity and and how you know anybody that does anything creative, we start doing creative work because we have or we think we have good taste. You know, and so we want to essentially contribute to that, and we start creating things. And when we first start creating things they're not up to our own taste, right? And we, we know they're not good enough. They're not, they, they don't have this special something that we're, 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 we're looking for. And many people at that point, they just give up, they stop, you know? And the only way to essentially get through that is to essentially, you know, create a large body of work. And the more that you create and the more practice that you get, um, the, the more you start to close that gap and you start Honing to create work. Honing in that skill. Right, that skill. honing it in, right, exactly. You, you know, um, there's, there's no way around just doing the work. It doesn't matter what it is. So, um, you, know, it, you know, obviously there's a whole concept of that 10,000 hours as well. Right. And, and so I really just kind of, I, I, I became obsessed with it, you know, for, for, for years to the point that literally um, I kind of, I almost don't even want to say I sacrifice everything in my life. I let, literally kind of let everything else in my life kind of fall apart, you know, literally just so that I could keep creating as much as possible. And I think Did a lot of my friends... you feel like you were getting better? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Uh, so, I mean so you saw the progress. Yeah, I, 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 could, I could absolutely see the progress. And, and um, I would surprise myself sometimes, um, you know, to, to, to look at the work I was creating at certain points and looking back um, at, at the work that had kind of you know, led there. I mean, to, to be totally honest, though, really, I mean, it's not like it all just came from, from um, me practicing. It came from 
um, having other creatives around in my circle and in my life and, and, and uh, um, looking at my work and discussing different techniques and, and what worked for them and, and just being inspired by their work and other, other people's work around me. Um, the, the whole um, creative community, you know, when, when, you're, when you're really using that and you're actually building those relationships, that's, that's essentially what, what is going to inspire you to keep going as you see what other people are doing and you see where other people are pushing it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I have so many different questions, but <laughs> I want to focus on here real yeah, quick. I'm kind of jumping um, around a little bit, but no, yeah. No, feel, that's, feel, that's, that's, that's fine, yeah. Brian. Um, when, you know, a lot of people, you know, sometimes it's external, right? External meaning affirmation from others, right? right. I'm just curious as a, as a creator. I think when, that's how it starts a lot of times. start getting like, kind of that affirmation, right? I'm curious, like, when, when was something that you did where it was, like, a big thing during, as you were kind of coming up where, you know, someone someone asked you to draw something or make something where you were like, oh, snap, I'm here. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> curious, you know what I mean? Um, there's, there's actually kind of been a, been a lot of those moments, you know? I mean, let me... I'm curious about the early one, because I, I know the other stuff that you've done based on photos that I've seen in different places. Sure. We might be able to talk about that a little bit, but I'm just I'm just trying to think about that early on, right? Well, it was funny, because at first, people just didn't get it. You know, I was painting on sneakers, and people just, they they literally didn't get it. People that were close to me who were friends would, would, would kind of celebrate some of the work that I was doing because they thought it was cool. And I think sometimes just because they were trying to support me because I was a friend, and they couldn't tell me that what I was doing was junk, but... Um, cause some of the early stuff literally was, um, but it was kind of when, um, probably the, the first time that I really remember that gave me a lot of confidence is, um, what I had done some, some shoes for, or some Timberland boots for uh, a hip hop MC or I'm, I'm sorry, a, a Boston MC named Rex who, um, I, I had met him because I had actually done a pair of Timberlands for, um, this dude, um, Static Selector, who's who's you know, pretty well known at this point, but he's from Exeter, New Hampshire originally. He was living in New York, and I happened to be there on a work trip, and I brought these boots with me, and I took a... I had, I had no idea, you know, relatively where I was to where he was, and I took, like, a super long cab ride. It was super expensive, and I ended up bringing him these, 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 these Timberlands that I did, which, when I look back, I mean, you know, I, I, I would be embarrassed if that was the kind of work I was doing now. Um, but, um, but they, they embraced it and they, they, they thought it was super dope that I came from New Hampshire and, and, and just, you know, hopped on a cab without even realizing how far I was going and brought these shoes to him, um, which he actually wore a bunch. He connected me to a bunch of different people. Um, I, I connected with Rex that night and ended up doing a pair of boots for him as well, which he wore in a music video. And that just kind of started a relationship that. I mean, now 10 years later is somebody I consider to be a good friend and he's, you know, put out lots and lots of work and, but, but kind of at a very, very early time, it gave me enough confidence. And that's kind of what I was saying is that nobody, nobody in New Hampshire cared at all until I started making connections outside of New Hampshire. Right, right. And once, once I had validation from them and it can be like, yo, I'm in this dude's video, you know what I mean? Or my work is like, it, it gave me so much credibility to, and, 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 and confidence. It kind of gave me that little bit of glimmer of hope that I needed that there were people that were going to support this somehow, you know, and, and I just kept working, kept working. And, you know, there's, there's, there's no substitute for just for, for putting in the work, you know, 
Um, that was very early on. And then it, 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 it kind of was, was funny. Every time I would set a goal, by the time I would reach that goal, um, that goal almost didn't even mean anything anymore because I was already you looking for forward. the next one. Right, right. So I'm curious. Thank you for sharing that story. I'm curious, when, when did you get a commission work that was outside of the kind of the hip hop space where, you know, cause, cause I mean, I'll just kind of spill the bean. Like the, you're at the children museum in Dover. There, there's this amazing artwork that you created that's up there. So I'm curious, like when did you start getting clients like that? Right. Huh. Which is yep. a little bit outside of kind of the, the urban or hip hop or music scene or music world. Yep. So, so I, I, I went back and forth a lot trying to, trying to just make art work. So I would, I would go to a day job for a while and I would, I would either, you know, somehow that day job just wouldn't work out cause I you know, wasn't focused cause I was, I was so divided. Um, and I was trying to work on larger pieces. I've been working on shoes for a long time, was really, really getting sick of that and just wanted to work on larger, larger works and, um, was able to kind of, um, well, I, I, I had done, uh, kind of a couple of smaller you know murals um, in some businesses in Portsmouth, and um, and how were they? So, sorry for uh, for no problem stopping there for a second. How were the, how were those businesses finding you? Were you going around putting flyers? Were you doing ads on newspapers? Like how? really, a lot of it was just from sharing my work on Facebook and and, and just trying to Gosh. trying to connect as much as I connect with people as much as I could through networking and stuff like that, and just just through friend networks and and that kind of thing. Um, and I'm trying to remember how um, the Lexi's Joint mural came to be, but Lexi's Joint is a burger place in Portsmouth, and um, I, I, I knew them pretty well, and, and actually would, I did a small mural in there that somebody who um, was about to open a yoga studio in Portsmouth saw that, asked for my contact information, and I was, was at that time, you know, had, had actually just lost my day job and needed some of these kinds of kind of projects to, to keep myself going. And, um, you know, went and did this consult at this yoga studio. They had this big, huge wall and they kind of had, had a rough idea of what they wanted. And I way undersold the project, way, way undersold the project. I didn't, didn't quite understand how much, how much time and effort was going to need to go into this project. And, um, but nevertheless, we, we started to move forward and that project. So, so it became a, a 48, wall of mandalas of these huge uh, mandalas that um, were hand painted on the wall and it was actually I mean regardless of how much I undersold myself on that job it's paid itself over you know just just That's just from awesome. the exposure that I got from that and from you know people being able to see that like something in such a large scale and that not only gave me the confidence to do even bigger work but I think it it's um kind of blew the door open, you know what I mean, for me to get larger projects like that. Um, that, that was probably one of my, that's probably one of my most memorable pieces there. You might've seen pictures of that as well. Um, but yeah, that, that actually was, was kind of a new starting point for me in a different direction creatively. That's very cool. I, and you just touched on the next se- uh, segue into my other question regarding value. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's one thing, you having your own value around what you're creating, yep. but it's another thing that those who either are admiring or are interested in, in in your work having the same value, and that's something every artist struggle with. Oh right, you know right. you have to compromise 
what you think the value of the work is early on just to get just to get a proof of concept. Right. And then eventually you're like, all right, I've done enough of this. And like, where do I? And so I'm curious to know. I mean, the, I, every artist that I talk to in different medium, this, this is this is always the sweet spot. Unless if mom and dad or uncle or aunt come from a very affluent circle that your stuff is good enough and somebody decides to buy it with crazy amount of money and then that becomes the standard for you. But that's not really reality for every artist. Right. You know, so I'm curious from you. Like, how did you how did you put value to your work? Like, was it per hours? Was it for like how long you thought it was going to take you? Like, how did you, how did you put well, a price to it? At first, I mean, I really had no idea. It, it really was just so about. Actually, at first, it was really about how how much I could get this person to pay me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just just period. It, 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 I, I didn't quite. And what was some of the criteria that you were work. looking at for um, yourself well, during well, that time? Well, was scale of work, um, how much time I thought it was going to take. Um, but really, just ultimately, were you considering materials too? I mean, because those are some of the stuff that people don't. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, I I did as I started to learn more. When I started to really take myself seriously as a professional, I I I did. I would try to try to figure out how much time it was going to take, what materials were going to cost. Um, it, it was a lot of trial trial and error because I didn't necessarily know. Um, and I think a lot of times people people don't properly value. Um, any any creative person's work un, unless they really get it. Um, so I mean, it, you know, people would reach out to me for different projects, and they would they would kind of offer me you know peanuts to do something uh, because they just didn't understand what was what was going into it. Um, and I think a lot of artists um, shoot themselves in the foot and ultimately kind of hurt the whole creative community by 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 letting that happen um, and by by not charging enough and not valuing their work enough. Um, because when they're charging too little for their work, they're literally hurting the value of the whole market. You know, so it's um, that that's something I've always ever ever since I started to um, understand that, and and since my my level of work you know started to warrant more value, um, I've kind of preached to younger artists to to ask more for their work uh, because um, they're never going to get it if they don't ask for it. Um, and they're only helping the whole community by by asking for more for the work and kind of demanding that people put some kind of value towards not even just not even just the amount of time it might take to create a piece, but the amount of time that it took to get to the point to be able to create that piece. You know that 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 ten thousand hours has to be accounted for. You know that's what builds value is 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 kind of the the experience. Um, there's a saying I've heard I can't remember who said it, but um, that an artist is paid for his vision. Um, not the hours he puts into his piece, you know. So, um, value. It, it took me a long time to really start to understand my own value. That particular project was a a, a big lesson, you know, because halfway through the project, I ran out of all my funds, had nothing left, wow. um, and but still needed to figure out how to even get the gas to you know get to this project to finish it. And I'd already spent the funds from the project because I literally charged about a tenth of what I would charge for that now. So you burned yourself. Right, 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 right. But I mean, figuring that out and just getting through it and finishing the project um, has, has, has certainly paid for itself, you know, but it's, it was, it was a learning experience. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So now let, let, let's fast forward to present day, right? Um, you, you've been established, you've done different pieces for your business, uh, stuff that are outside, inside, all this different collaboration. How do you put value to your work now? 
Um, to be honest, now at this point, uh, it took me a long time to get to the point where, um, where I'm well, to the point I was even financially stable. But I guess now at, at this particular stage in my life, where I've 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 I have put the work in, I've I've got the body of work. I'm very confident in in the in the level of work that I can provide, um, and since essentially I went went back and got a day job again, um, and actually finally kind of it's it's funny how the universe works, but actually you know for the first time ever have a day job that um, I I feel like I have purpose in that I feel like I belong at that um, you know offers me a good balance of. Um, work and, and life and, and you know, leadership training and all that kind of thing. Um, that's, that's helped me a lot um, in, in my business dealings as an artist outside of that, um, but has also given me the ability where, where, where I, don't, uh, I don't need people to um, buy my work at this point. Um, and from kind of getting to a point where, where I've actually you know, been able to sell sell enough work that that I've created and get enough commission work to, um, not necessarily have to well not have to beg people to buy my work like I had at one time. You know what I mean? Literally, it's a certain point like almost begging people to buy my work just so that I can essentially you know eat that day. Whereas, um, you know, flipping that to the point where you know people would ask me to do work or reach out to me for a project and 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 I'd say no. You know. There's so much power in the word no. So when you start to tell people no, that automatically starts to raise your value. You know, so you know, by undercutting yourself and, and just doing everything for the cheapest price, it's kind of funny if you, if you just flip that really quickly and say, nope, this is, this is my limit. If you don't set that limit, then, then you're never going to meet that limit um, or no one's ever going to raise up to it. So um, saying no for about a year... Um, I mean, almost increased my value probably more than threefold, you know, because I just, you know, I had, I had done the body of work that created enough um, desire for my work that when I started to say no to people, um, they just wanted it more. So I, I have luckily found myself in a, in a position now where I'm only going to work on something if it's, if it's something that I, that, that I think is, is, is um, really going to be a pleasure to work on and something that, that I, I feel like is, is, is within my wheelhouse or within my, my personal style or within something that I actually want to explore. Uh, for a long time in taking commissions, which is someplace I, I, I realized I kind of shot myself in the foot because I was, uh, had wanted to be just an independent artist so badly. And then at one point I found myself with all kinds of projects going on, all kinds of commission works going on, and none of them were work that I actually wanted to do, mm. you know, so, and I had no more time to create anything that I wanted to create. So I, I started to become very protective of my time, um, which, which that's essentially what, what increased my value is because I became so protective of my time, um, and kind of protecting of my talent, um, that I, I, I wasn't going to share it, you know, for anything less than I really felt was, was, was worth it. And not just worth it for me then, but worth it for me moving forward, you know, um, something that, that like if I was going to sell a piece that needed to actually, um, satisfy me that I let a piece of myself go, you know, for, um, um, an amount that actually could do something for me, whether it was going to be savings or whether, whether it was something that was actually going to actually improve my life versus just pay for food that day or something. <laughs> 
Thank you, thank you for sharing that, Brian, and, and, and sharing that kind of that evolution. And as, as an artist myself, I, I could relate to that very much so. And I would probably say within the last five years, I, I've become very, very, very protective over my creative side, yeah. you know, and you have to be, especially from creating for the sake of being compensated for something. I, I get a lot of inquiry for, for stuff. And most of the time it's no, because one, especially around here, it's like the pay is not justifiable. Right. Two, even if the pay was justifiable, the, the construct of those who are interested in bringing me in, it falls more under entertainment for them right. than, than artistry. Right. So at that point, it's like, I don't really, there's not really enough money that you can pay me for me to entertain you at that level. Right. So, so a lot of the collaborations that I've had most recently, it's been, um, I did a piece for the, the Career Museum where I created this this performance, told the story about a mother who the husband was taken away and it was brought into a refugee camp. And but anyways, but but I got to work with the students that I work with in the community who are former refugees for mm. who that story was the reality of their family's story, right? So I'm I'm very picky and I didn't even perform for that. Like I created the piece, taught it, and then they performed it. Yep. Um, I, the only I think probably I, I did a response to this artist named Didier Williams. He's a Haitian artist. Uh, he has um, this amazing collection called Nefarious Gay, where the art is just so amazing. So SNHU's gallery, they were they had it on display. There was an opportunity for me to respond to his artwork through creating original music and dancing to it. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me it's like like movement and storytelling and, and performing, like like that's, I do that every day. You know what I mean? Like sure. I, I, I dance with my, my family. I dance yeah. with my kids, yeah. you know? I dance in my office. Like I'm constantly moving. But when it's outward facing, I have to reflect and say, is this, is this worth it? Right, right. You know, and, um, and, it's, and, I, think, and I think it's a, it's a really interesting reflection that you've had regarding your journey and your transition of almost having to hustle so hard in order to keep you know, the lights on through your artistry, then, but you also had a lot of wins that, that continue to build upon, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough for you to continue to sustain it, but now you're almost in the other side of it where right. you, know, you have a nine to five, but you're also um, you know, are creating more towards what's more meaningful where you found value and you, you, yep. know, you have collaboration. And, but I, I think that every artist goes through this journey. Unfortunately, it either breaks them or it makes them. Right, right. Where some artists will completely give up yeah. Because they're like, well, you know, I've I've gotten hurt through the process of trying to sustain myself as an artist, or or this or that, or I'm not good enough, or this. There's all sure. this expectation, and it's yep. like, man, like you do this because you love it, right? Like well, that's intimate. That's yours. And there were so many times I wanted to give up, um, and and they were so grateful to the people I had around me at the time, who were other artists as well, and 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 I think just about every creative. Um, I think especially those with, with talent um, are, are kind of, uh, what's the word, uh, tormented by that a little bit because they, they, they're, they're, they're trying to find this balance 
um, of, of you know, you know, outside expectations and bills and other people's expectations and wanting to work and, and their own expectations of their own work and not meeting those expectations um, and just, just wanting to be better, um, you know, trying to find the time to, to work more and all kinds of things and um, just, just getting so discouraged sometimes because either they, they, they can't financially keep things together, um, they're not getting the placements and so forth that they really want, um, and they're, they're, they're working so hard day and night sometimes, and it all feels like it's for nothing, you know. Um, and it's, it is very, very easy to give up in those times. And um, there were so many times when I almost did, um, and so many times when I kind of did for a little while anyway, um, or, you know, thought I could. There was lots of times when I would tell myself I just wanted to kind of disappear and go someplace where nobody ever even knew that I was an artist, you know what I mean? And could just, you know, work some stupid job and just completely forget about all this, you know? And, um, but that, that was essentially, that was negative thinking creeping in and that was, you know, self-loathing a little bit and stuff. And I think a lot of artists are generally emotional people. So we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll end up in those dark spaces sometimes. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's finding some kind of ability to climb out of that, um, to be able to get to the other side of it. Um, cause uh, you, you're, you're going to have those peaks and valleys. Those are essentially what, what, what eventually mold you um, is, is the ability to, to, to get through those and keep working through those. And sometimes, I mean, my best work came after, um, you know, some of those hardest times. And I think, honestly, I mean, um, the, the highest highs, I mean, come from the lowest lows. So you, 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 you need to go through that and you need to understand those struggles. Um, and when I look back, I mean, I do have a day job now, which, which at one point was something that I, I kind of wouldn't even have allowed myself to consider um, just really out of stubbornness, you know, but um, my particular journey, like the the opportunity that I came upon literally could not have happened if I hadn't, like, like as I look back, if I hadn't have literally given everything I possibly could to my work, to my art, and let myself essentially work myself into such a hole that I literally had to kind of, you know, build my way out of it. Um, and if I hadn't have you know, been presented with that opportunity or that experience at the time, which you know, felt like things were as low as they possibly could be, um, you, know, you know, kind of far beyond depths that I ever kind of saw myself, I, I, I just, I wouldn't have had the necessary knowledge or character, I think, or character traits to have been ready for the opportunities that came after that. So it's like we, we, we truly need the lessons that we're going to learn in those in those tough times. But it's it's but but if you if you give up whatever that means for you, um, then you essentially give up the right to reap anything of what you've been working to sow. Well, thank thank you for sharing that. And and it's and the craziest part is that like when you don't some people don't create the space to have those internal reflection to actually right. identify okay what are the moving parts it seems like you were always attuned to that to those internal moving parts and oh, I, I tried to be you know i just essentially i i just kept finding ways to keep going you know and until i was essentially would would kind of hit a brick wall and had no choice but to climb up that wall you know and sometimes you can you can waste time at the bottom you know, before you start to climb, but, you know, nothing's going to happen until you start doing the work, you know. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. We're getting, we're getting close to the end of our podcast here. I would have, we could probably talk for another two hours. Um, as, we, as we 
come towards the end here, I, I, I do want to ask you, like, what keeps you grounded? You know, I'm, I'm curious, like, but I'm also curious in, like, how do you identify yourself? Because I know you have a lot of different, you know, your, your, your mix, right? You have different yeah, backgrounds yeah. in you. And, and I, I'm just curious in terms of, like, what keeps you grounded? Like, what keeps you grounded? Um, so reflecting on that a little bit, Right after you said it, I mean, so yeah, being my background does essentially have a lot to do with what keeps me grounded. Um, I'm grateful every single day just to be here. Um, you know, I mean, and, and this is something we could we, we could definitely talk a lot longer about. But so my background, my my father is from Korea originally. He's half Korean, half black. Um, his mother was um, um, a Korean woman. Um, and his father was a, a black American GI. And so there was a whole generation of, of these mixed kids that were a product of the Korean War. And there was, there was almost, it was almost genocidal at the time. I mean, the, 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 the people there had, had no desire for all these mixed kids and these orphanages, orphanages that a lot of them were in were really essentially trying to, you know, for, for kind of lack of a better term, kind of kind of kill as many of them off as they could, you know what I mean, so that they wouldn't essentially infiltrate their culture, you know, you know and, and, and essentially dilute, you know, um, their culture. Um, and some of these kids were adopted and came to the States and other places. Uh, my father um, was lucky to survive that. He was actually thrown out of a window as an infant um, and essentially discarded and was brought to one of these orphanages and was raised there. This is there. in Korea. This is in Korea, right. Um, and then my, so he, he was actually physically, he was, he was you know, severely physically disabled. He essentially um, was born without the ball or sockets for his hips. So he essentially didn't have hips. But that also, as far as what's been said, it could have been a result of the fall from being thrown out of the window as an infant. No one's, no one's ever really been sure. Um, and then my mother was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis as a teenager and had rheumatoid arthritis in her entire body. It was so heavily medicated, she wasn't su- supposed to be able to have kids. So um, the reason my last name is Cartier is kind of funny. My father being from Korea is, so he, he was a little bit too old to be adopted, but the Cartier family of East Grand Forks, Minnesota, uh, took in my father. He took their last name. This, these people had six kids of their own and adopted or slash fostered 15 other kids, right? All from other countries and all with some kind of disability. And so he took their last name. Um, and my mother was also very, very disabled, was never supposed to be able to have kids. Um, and this was, they were so certain of this that they ended up adopting two children who are my brothers from the same village that my father's from. Wow. And a couple of years later, you know, all of a sudden, surprise, surprise, my mother's pregnant. Um, so, uh, I was, I was essentially never supposed to exist. Uh, whether we, 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 talk about just the unlikelihood of my, my father, you know, successfully being able to, you know, find his way to the United States and, and to even, um, have any kind of life to my mother, not supposed to not being able to have kids and so forth. So, so what keeps me grounded is knowing that. Um, the fact that I'm even here um, is, you know, took took a, a lot of um, different stars aligning, you know, for me to even be here in the first place. So I feel very fortunate to be here, and I want to do as much with my time here as I can, um, and essentially create as much as I can, make as much of an impact on this world as I as I possibly can. 
whether that be through my art, through my daughter, um, through um, the life that I live, or just the example that I'm able to show, being able to um, navigate my way through, you know, coming from a place like North Dakota, moving to the Boston area, and actually, you know, having some form of success, however you define that. Uh, but that's, that's essentially what kind of keeps me grounded is I remember these things every single day, you know, about, about how, uh, but the fact that I'm even here is, is special. Thank you for sharing that. And for my last question, the theme of my podcast is persevere to excel. And, and that perseverance, it's really, you know, the, the, the internal and the external strength that you have to ground yourself in, you know, in order to to not give up while you're in the process of the journey. And then the excelling is what actually happens on the opposite side as right. you transition away from the challenges or the adversities that you're facing. So for my listener who might be going through some tough time right now, um, based on your story that you've shared and where you are now and how you continue to move forward, what would your advice be to them regarding them persevering and, and not giving up? Um, really just to embrace it. You know, it, it, it can sound crazy to hear somebody else say that who, who's made it to the other side, but you, you can't make it to the other side without going through it. Um, you really have to embrace it, embrace the lessons from it, um, and continue to apply those lessons as you move forward and find your way out of it. Uh, you'll never know what's coming. Um, you just essentially have to continue to move forward. Thank you so much, Brian, for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I, um, I would definitely have to have you back at some point, for sure. There's Absolutely. so much for us to talk about. And the coolest thing about this interview is the fact that, like, like I... I focus on like your story, you know, what you have to share, what you want to tell. And I appreciate there's no the opportunity. script and there's nothing because I believe the most powerful thing that we, we have as human is our story, right? Like right. Our, for us to be able to tell our own story in the right. way that we want to we want it to be told, um, it's a powerful thing. So I thank you so much for joining me today and being able to to have this conversation and I hope for my listeners as you as you're hearing this um, where can they find you Brian what's your do you have, do you have a handle uh, yep so my IG is B underscore Cartier that's B underscore C-A-R-T-I-E-R um, website is www.b dash Cartier.com um, but find me on IG find me on Facebook say what's up thank you very much awesome thank you so much Brian you had once again